Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. On this episode, Caleb, Luke, and I are going to talk about the most recent episode of The Last of Us. Number the the second episode, as a matter of fact, called Infected, and the fourth episode of The Bad Batch, entitled Faster. So, without further ado, hello, Caleb. Hello. Hello, Luke. Hi. So before we get into the actual talk of the episodes, um, I wanted to tell a quick story about a couple cool people that we met uh, while we visited something here locally to Southern California. Uh, every fourth Sunday of the month, the Topanga Vintage Market is held over at Pierce College on campus of Pierce College, and that's in the West San Fernando Valley. We went there this past weekend. Caleb and I uh, were there. Luke was coaching, and we wanted to to shout out a couple really cool people that we met. Met the first one uh, that we ran across was Mike Davis, and he runs a company called Upcycled Star Wars. And we just came across it right because we have aisles and aisles of just you know fun things to look at. Um, and Mike was there and immediately caught our eyes because he he makes like wooden wood crafted signs, coffee mug hangers, um, almost like collectible dioramas that have the little mini figures of star Wars. And they're called, I have the name here real quick. Cause there's a very specific type. It's the star Wars galactic heroes figures. And I think that they're discontinued. I'm not sure that they even make them anymore. And he makes these awesome collectible dioramas where he's displaying these, um, these figures and, you know, Caleb and I, we just immediately took a hard left, right? Caleb (laughs) (laughs) and walked right over. Uh, he has, you know, these signs and he didn't stop at star Wars. He has uh, Marvel stuff. He had just all type of different, you know, geek culture, fun things, and he makes them all himself. So he struck up a nice conversation with Mike and he was kind enough to uh, even give us a, uh, a handmade sign, uh, I'll put a picture of a, up on social media. It's a She-Hulk sign with an actual sticker of like a, a She-Hulk comic cover. And it's an arrow pointing to the right. So it's like a direction sign. It immediately caught my eye because it was, it's just really, really well made. And of course, it's She-Hulk. So, you know, me and the super fan. Um, but we just wanted to say, you know, thank you to Mike. Uh, we'll put his contact information in the show notes in the in the description for the... Um, for the episode, but he takes custom orders. So if you wanted to reach out to him and, you know, give him some ideas, he was a super friendly guy, a big star Wars fan. And we just wanted to, to bring some attention to him and and say, thank you uh, for being so cool to us while we were there. We told him about the podcast and, and he and his friend there that, that uh, started looking it up. So, you know, uh, if you guys are listening, thanks again for, for that cool interchange and, and check it out. Uh, Upcycled star Wars, uh, Mike Davis. So the second set of people that we ran into that we wanted to say hello to on the podcast is uh, Michelle and Jesse at JM Film Resins. They have an Instagram that you can actually go on and and it is JM, like Jesse and Michelle, uh, Film Resins and immediately caught my eye. I don't know about you, Caleb, how quickly you saw it, but I saw it like from down the row. And what they've done is they take the actual film that movie reels used to be shown on, you know, before the digital age, and they have basically the negatives. 
and they put them in this resin display case and it looks magnificent. So they have like a three set and a six set and you know, where they have like three film uh, negatives displayed and the resin is, is clear. So it's almost like clear glass. They made it look that good. It's like glass and you can hold it up to the light and you can see actual frames of the film that these movies used to be shown on, on projectors, you know, in movie theaters, it's literally Hollywood history. Like you're holding it in your hands. They had, uh, stuff from the Beatles movies. They had star Wars, Indiana Jones. They had Rocky. They had even as old as Charlie Chaplin, right, Caleb? Yeah. They had a couple Charlie Chaplin. They had the Godfather. They had some really cool ones and they had like different kinds of resin. One of them was like a glossy type. The other one was more of like an opaque, less glossy but they were just great people and we just got a chatting your first question was like where are your star wars ones but for me like i just <laughs> love to see the variety of different ones that they had just on display everywhere and they were like yeah it's pretty durable but we didn't want to test our luck and drop one you know <laughs> yeah i almost didn't even want to hold them and but they were so cool and confident they're just handing them to us and, and showing us the best way to look at them but it's such a great for, to me, I thought I was so impressed with the way that you're able to display it and the history that you're holding in your hand. Uh, they're originally from, Michelle was telling us that they're from Rochester, New York, the home of Kodak. And so they have a connection to film in, in, in general. Um, and what was funny is when I first walked up, I was walking around with a Grogu shirt on, right? So it's the Mando helmet with Grogu. It says, this is the way. And I'm just looking at the table and Michelle immediately looked and she says, hey, we've got some Star Wars stuff. And I go, what gave me away? <laughs> so that's that was um, a fun way to start the conversation. And we got to meet Jesse, her fiance. And they told us this. Um, I'm still blown away by the story that they actually got to meet Harrison Ford. And I'm not sure of the circumstances as to how they met, but they showed him uh, their product. And I, was it an, an Indiana Jones film, right? That they were, that they showed to him. It was. Yeah. And they actually showed us a picture that they took of Harrison Ford holding up their their uh, Indiana Jones film, and he just had the most satisfied smile on his face. And man, that must have been I, if it were me, I would have just been I would have just been blown away. So, um, Michelle, Jesse, it was really nice to meet you there this past weekend. Uh, they're super cool. They followed us on Instagram. I followed them on Instagram, and and uh, who knows, maybe one of these days down the road, uh, I'd love to have them on the show. We can, uh, we can chit chat about some movies, uh, but check them out on Instagram. Uh, they said that if you can send them, if you had something in mind, they can custom make things and, and, uh, just to DM them. So again, JM film resins on Instagram, super cool people. And it was really nice to meet you guys. Um, so yeah, there you go. That was a, a fun experience that we had. And if you're ever in Southern California or you, or you are in Southern California and you want to go check out a cool vintage market, Check it out, Pierce College, Topanga Vintage Market, uh, every fourth Sunday of the month. So there you go. That's our shout-outs to some uh, new people that we've met. But let's get to it. Let's check out some, uh, let's start talking about some Last of Us. Episode 2 dropped on Sunday. Uh, it's called Infected. And I just had a couple of fun facts I wanted to share with you guys and get your thoughts on it. Because this past week, I mean, it was really in the news. The Last of Us sort of blew up this past week and there was a lot of a lot of discussion that i was uh enjoying um over the week and i'd love to hear some of your thoughts the first thing that that i saw i sort of came across was that the first episode of the last of us it became hbo's second largest debut after house of the dragon 
and since 2010 with 4.7 million viewers on Sunday. So that includes streaming and the HBO um, channel, the the actual cable channel. So uh, that's a that's a great debut, right, guys? Yeah, it really is. Uh, to go toe to toe with those types of shows just proves like if they really put themselves into it, they can produce a really good show, and it it helps when you have a great cast like The Last of Us does. Yeah, I it's in good company, and I would think it's. I'd say it's deserving to be in that company too. I think it's a phenomenal show so far. And I've heard good things about a lot of other um, HBO shows like, uh, what's that show, Westworld? I've heard Mm -hmm. good things about that. I've never seen it. They really, they put a lot of effort into those shows, it seems like, and it's really paying off. Well, I mean, the track record, right, that they have. So Last of Us is just the last um, in a line of real, really high premium type of programming. I mean, Game of Thrones, you mentioned Westworld. What was the show we were talking about the other day, Luke, uh, with Sam? Um, the Sopranos, of course, Sopranos, that's an HBO production. That took the world by storm. So they have a long, long history of really producing excellent premium television and it looks like the last of us is not going to be any type of exception um another interesting thing that i saw going on last week was the discussion about how closely it's sticking to the game now we talked about last week that neither one of none of us have none of us played the game and it made me start thinking you know video game adaptations don't have a real great reputation as uh, movies or television shows. There just hasn't been anything that's really knocked it out of the park. But people are talking about that this is the first and the best video game adaptation. And I don't really have anything to compare it to, but I say, sure, let's let's go with it because it just seems like it's such a compelling story anyway. And then I was seeing these videos on Twitter where people were putting edits together. They're, they were doing shot for shot, you know, from the show and the video game. So they were like editing the shot of the video game and what they did in the show. And it's almost down to the point of where, you know, Pedro Pascal's uh, mannerisms and the way he is holding his head and his hands are identical, almost mirror images of certain shots from the game. So not only are they um, doing a great job at telling the story, but they're holding true to the video game. And it made me wonder, like, what do you guys think? Do you think that the video game adaptations struggle for being successful because people know the story already and they either don't like the direction that they go in or they just already know what to expect so there's less of a a thrill of discovery as the story goes on? What do you guys think? So for me, it's always been like the adaptation for – like the thing that pops to mind right off the bat for me is – like Avatar, where they made it from the anime type to the live action, they tried to change it too much. They tried to force it to be something it wasn't. I think that goes to be a lot of of adaptations like The Last of Us going from video game to, to a show. And I think they're doing a really good job, to my knowledge, of balancing the, the characters and the art, really, to be... Uh, a tribute but also trying to make it its own standalone thing so it's appealing to new fans and fans 
of the video game who've been around for a very long time now. Yeah, well said. Luke, what do you think? Um, The only other example I can think of is Tomb Raider. And that was a movie that did not do very well. And I think it's smart to have it as a series and as a show because you don't have to confine yourself to a certain time limit. And the time limit that you have is significantly larger, right? The Last of Us is nine episodes, right? And and every episode's around an hour. It's nine hours of television that you're getting compared to a movie that's going to be two, two and a half hours. So you have a lot more time to go into the details and make sure that it's all accurate to the video game and everything. And that's a, that's a big part of it that has really made me enjoy it. Even though I haven't played the video game before, you can just tell their attention to detail and how they're taking their time with it. It's incredible. Yeah, I think it's a good point with the the format. If you're going to make a movie or you're going to talk and make a TV show, because especially with a sh- with a video game, as I understand, The Last of Us, it seems like they it's a very it's a story. It's not just a video game, you know, like in the vein of a Super Mario Brothers or something where you're trying to pass levels. You're playing through a story, and to try to make, let's say, a movie out of that, I think would be very difficult. So that I think they were smart to do a, a, an episodic, like you mentioned, Luke, nine hour long um, TV show. Uh, so so far so good. So let's just get into the to that second episode, and and we're gonna jump right out of the gate with spoilers, uh, just for you know sake. Uh, for the sake of time, not to mention, you know, I just really want to get to the episode and talk about this because Luke, before you, uh, before you left for the day, you gave me sort of a one, one word hint. Cause I hadn't seen the episode. You gave me a one word hint about your thoughts on it. You want to share what, what that word was. You remember? It was gross. There's some <laughs> really gross stuff going on. Yeah, it, and it, it was gross. So you know, there's your spoiler warning from here. From here on out, we'll talk spoilers of the Last of Us episode two. If you haven't seen the episode, go check it out and come back and listen. But uh, yeah, so one of the things I think this show has done effectively for the second time in a row is give us context with the first episode or the first scene of the of the of the show of the episode, and that was really gross. I'm so grossed out by the stuff that's coming out of their mouths, you know, those, whatever those tendrils are. Um, it's just nasty. What did you guys think about that scene? It literally makes me feel like I want to clear my throat. Like it's in my own head and like, it's not going <laughs> to happen to me, but it makes me feel like I just need to like, like give it a cough, you know, make sure it's not there just in case. Yeah. I, I appreciate the attention to detail, but I could do without it. Like, especially at the end, that, oh, my God, uh, that was, I, I got a pretty strong stomach, and I don't get grossed out pretty easily, but that made my skin crawl when the the thing walked up to her and then opened his Tess. mouth. And, uh, see, that, that was just, nah, nah, that was too much. You know, I... <laughs> I can't help but love the backstory. They've given it to us, not like you said, at the beginning of each uh, episode. And it makes me appreciate, like, they're really knowledgeable people who they keep 
throwing it back to. The beginning of the first episode was talking about how this fungi is going to be the end of the world if it lets it. This one was like, okay, this is ground zero, like you said when we were watching it together, Dad. And it just seems like it's not going to be beatable. If this happens, the world is over. And that's why Ellie's so important if everybody, if, if she is what, what was her name? Marlene? Yeah, Marlene with the fireflies. Yeah, if Marlene's right, she needs to be protected by every living thing because there's nobody else that's going to save the, the, give anybody else hope, really. Right. And I thought, you know, still sticking a little bit with that first scene, I, I didn't stop to look at what the actress's name was that played the doctor, where they, the, you know, the, the military man took her into the lab to sort of examine this body. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have the actress's name on hand, but she did a phenomenal job. And it's two weeks in a row because you mentioned um, the actress that played Sarah last week and what a small time frame we had to get to know her, but how impactful she was. Same thing with this doctor in the second episode. She was on the screen for a few minutes, and I was just so impacted by her performance. She went from you know confusion when they went to go get her uh, to fear because was she in trouble to more fear because she saw what, what she had, what she, what was in front of her eyes, which is terrifying to action. Right. And the one, the approach she wanted to take when she told that military man, there's no medicine for this. There's no vaccine. It was almost as like, are you kidding me? That that's a ridiculous prospect. The only thing you can do is bomb the city. That is such a drastic an unthinkable thing, but in the context of what we're seeing, that is something that needed to be brought up. And I'm really impressed that they brought it up. Uh, the actress, her name was Christine Hakim. I don't know if she was uh, a big star, but I just found her name. But she performed phenomenally. I wanted to give her a hug. She made the decision where it's like, you need to bomb, you need to isolate, and you need, just need to make sure that doesn't spread. Because if it, like I said earlier, if it spreads, it's over. And immediately she just says, I want to go home. I want to be with my family. Because she understands life is changing as we know it, and it's never going to go back to what it used to be. Yeah, yeah I like I that feel- they brought that up, right, that they had took the same approach as they did with the first episode, where they started with a flashback. Or not not necessarily a flashback, but like it's a it takes place in a time frame before the actual show, and that's I hope they could do it more because it just adds so much more depth and understanding to why things are the way they are, and it's they just keep world building without wasting time, and I love that. Yeah, I, I, I had the same thought. As soon as that scene ended, I thought to myself, I hope they keep doing this, especially because the way they're doing it, it's a few minutes of the first part of the episode, and then that makes that episode give it more depth and have more context. It's really effective. They're, they're doing it in a very effective way, and flashbacks can be sort of tricky sometimes, right? But this one, is is they're doing it the right way. I really liked it. Um, and Caleb, to your point also, when when she said, when she had that tea in her hand, they handed it to her. She didn't take a drink of it. She's not even doing it. She She's shaking. It's almost like they gave it to her just to show how upset she was because she was shaking, 
right? Uh, and she just wanted to be home with her family because she knew what was about to happen. And when you're fe- facing that kind of a apocalyptic event, you know, that's all that matters is you want to be with the people that you love. I just thought it was an incredible way to start the episode. Um, and then we get to see, and it was also a, like a foreshadowing of what we were about to see in the episode, because then they started, you know, for, fast forwarding to when Joel and Tess are now walking through this barren land, which is Massachusetts. Um, and they see this massive crater in the street and Ellie brings up, Oh, is this where the, they, they were bombing. And I think it was Tess that said, yeah, it was effective here, but it wasn't effective everywhere. And so we got the, we got the, the, the bait with the first scene. And then we got the, the hookup with that, with that scene, knowing that, yeah, they did try that, but they waited too long. So, um, just really, really good. And the performances, the production value, I don't know how they're doing what they're doing, but they're making it look like they're walking around an entire city that is just barren and overwrought with vegetation. The buildings are collapsed on each other. Uh, it, it just looks amazing. The thing I love is like the villain doesn't have a face. Obviously, you're trying to survive, but the villain is literally this fungus that's spreading all over the place. And I think it's amazing that the scenery is not all dead and dry and burnt. It's building collapsing into another building, but it's entirely mossy and vines and all this different stuff because you can see that there's not a lot of traffic flattening it out. There's not a lot of like worldly stuff like we have now, but it's also not just dying because the moss and the fungi are enjoying the the entire scenery. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it's a nice little added detail and attention to detail that this, this cast and everybody a part of the production seems like they're doing their homework. And I think I appreciate every second of it. That, that phrase is, is a great, uh, is perfect. The attention to detail and the, and you can tell the people that are making this are paying such close attention to detail. Go ahead, Luke. Yeah. I was going to say the show it all makes sense, right? And I'm, you know, I'm very far from a scientist. I don't know anything about fungus and I don't know anything about survival skills or anything, but it all makes sense. And that makes the show just feel a little bit more realistic because a lot of it feels like, you know, if certain things were to happen in real life, then, it, you know, that could be a real possibility. And I think when you can relate to it a little bit more, you enjoy it a little bit more. And, you know, I could totally, I could be completely wrong. Maybe there's some actual scientists out there who are watching it and like, yeah, this makes no sense. This could never happen. Whatever, whatever. Shut up, nerd. Let's enjoy it. <laughs> Let me feel smart about it. I think it's a good point. And it really, you don't need things to make sense in a real world way as long as they're doing a good job of setting up the rules in the world that they're telling. Right. And I think they're they're They get an a plus for what they're doing so far because they're telling us what we need to know. That's important for why we should be afraid. <laughs> and, and I, I, I'll admit this show is 
is another show that's not doing very well for my blood pressure. I think I mentioned that a lot when we were watching Andor because it was so tense. This is another level of tense. I I even like literally jumped when they were walking through the hotel lobby that was all like flooded out. I was waiting. I knew something was going to happen to scare us. I was expecting, you know, um, an infected or some type of a jump scare. But Ellie was this, you know, just being Ellie, which I think I find her old. I find her so charming. I, I really do. I think she is such an in- interesting character. And she was just being her, pushing things out of the way, sort of geeking out at, oh, wow, you know, she's learning every step of the way she's learning because it seems like she's lived a pretty sheltered life. So now she's out in the wild, right? Yeah, Everything, every so... new. Go ahead. I was just going to say every step of the way is something new for her. And the thing that freaked me out is when she pushed that sort of like that luggage cart out of the way and a skeleton just sort of like fell. It wasn't even a jump scare and it freaked me out because I was so tense. (laughs) Yeah. I want to paint a word picture. You and I were sitting next to each other watching this on our TV and we had our feet at the edge of like our coffee table, right? I knew something was going to happen. I normally don't react to jump scares like that. Like I might like, like wince a tiny, tiny little bit, but you jumped so much that it made the coffee table move out from under my feet. And then I jumped because now this infected or whatever was going to jump out and scare us was now in our living room. And I thought that was rather funny. (laughs) You're embarrassing me. I I didn't need to go into that much detail. (laughs) When you talk about attention to detail, if you know, I don't, maybe my brain was just making this up, but when they walked into the hotel, and there was that frog on the piano. It even like was stepping on the keys in a suspenseful way. And I thought when the it same jumped, thing. it like it hit a really high pitched note, which is sort of like indicative of like something scary happening. And they just ah, uh, I love them. Yeah, I loved it too. I thought same thing. It was like oh, it's already putting us on edge further than we already are, and. I just really liked that entire scene. The whole episode for was like that for me. I I loved the um, once they got through that point, and then they their the way that they wanted to go was obstructed. Then we get a small quick scene with uh, Joel and Ellie trying making an attempt to get to know each other, which I thought was really effective. Um, I, it was. Gosh, you know, just very effective storytelling again. It's such an efficient show. And it's really a very simple, basic story, right? It's, of course, this a post-apocalyptic world. And we're getting a lot of details when it comes to who the monsters are. But it's, it's a road trip movie between really now with two people um, that are a lot alike but are very different in the same way. And the fact that we've been sitting here talking about it as much as we have and we haven't even really mentioned Joel or Pedro Pascal just goes to show you how effective and how good the story and the show is because he's killing it like normal. He's he's Joel is very compelling and Pedro Pascal is making uh he's he's making another level for his fame and reaching it. And I can't wait to see him now in the Mandalorian again after seeing this because man, the guy is just super talented. Um, You know, I don't even like think he's the best actor or character because of how good Ellie is. Ellie had me laughing at one point and then another and then another, and then just absolutely terrified for her. And then she's just like dry and she's so mature, but also still a child. 
and I can't help but love her. Like she's just such a good character and they wouldn't have a show if she died, but she, they might just play with our heartstrings anyway. So I'm, I'm glad I'm hitching my wagon to her cart, you know, but they just have an amazing chemistry on screen and I'm looking forward to the rest of it. I hope they have many, many, many seasons to be honest. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we'll wind it down here and we'll get to the Bad Batch here in a second, but I wanted to end off at basically at the end of the episode because I think, again, full credit to the show for setting up what's to come. So they've done, you know, in two hours, they've set us up for the next seven or whatever it is it's going to be. And I thought that the way they did it was super, uh, super interesting and very effective, I, re- I thought. Tess, of course, you know, I, I, we all, I, I think we all figured that she was not going to be around for long because I just didn't see her in a lot of the marketing material and stuff. Um, so I just sort of assumed that that was going to happen. But the thing that stuck out to me was her sacrifice. Of course, we knew that she was she was done for, but she sacrificed herself to save them and to take out a bunch of these infected. But But she really had to convince Joel to take Ellie on. Because Joel didn't want it. He he spent most of the episode trying to justify why they shouldn't be doing this. He just wanted to go, quote unquote, home. Uh, and the line that Tess said to him, I thought was really good when she said, save who you can save. And he she even mentioned to them, look, we've done a lot of bad stuff. You can make up for a lot of it and then go save who you can save. So I was just so impressed by that whole scene. Um but Luke, I agree with you. The the whole tentacles thing with the mouths, that was just oh, uber gross. But <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was a really good scene, good writing, and it was just consistent with what we've gotten so far. And I'm really looking forward to every week that a new episode's going to drop. Me too. It's really hard to come off the coattails of such a good pilot episode. But I think this episode did a great job of being its own thing. It didn't need to be action packed like the other one. It didn't like kill a million people it killed one character that we'd become attached to to an extent and it allowed us to see a little bit deeper into both tess and joel where they'd been very callous and you you sort of have to be with as much loss that they've had to endure but now they have something to fight for something to protect and now joel has something that he probably is very guilty for a lot of things that have happened including uh, the passing of Sarah and a lot of other things we just straight up just don't know about. Um, yeah. But now being with Elliot, I'm, I'm curious to see how much he's going to give her, how standoffish she's going to be and all that. Yeah. The dynamic between him and Ellie, you know, and the, and the comparables that he, that we can draw to Sarah are, are I'm going to, I'm assuming will provide a lot of, dynamic storytelling here coming up so luke um final thoughts there on the last of us episode two i'm just saying we didn't see her die i didn't i didn't see a corpse i'm just i really hope we don't see her again because that would be (laughs) terrifying i mean i think everything on that floor of the building burnt but yeah go ahead and finish your point (laughs) no i just I really, really like the approach they're taking with the show because it's it feels like we're really far into it, right? But really, we're just two episodes in. We're not even a third of the way through the show. And it feels like so much progress has already been made. 
we feel like we understand these characters really well already, but there's still such a long ways to go. Yeah. There's not necessarily something they're fighting toward right now. Like their entire entourage is now gone. So they sort of have to figure it out going forward. Uh, but like you said, like I'm, I'm just, just give me more now. Yeah, well, I, I'm gonna have to start doing some cardio so that my heart can keep up because I was, <laughs> I was tense, I was tense. But I'm, I'm in, I'm on, I'm on board. And you know, they don't even know where they're going. To to both of your points, all they know is they need to get it to these two guys. I can't remember their name, Frank and Tony, maybe something like that. Um, but that's what Tess told Joel to do is to get her to them. So we know the next stop. But we don't even know what her ultimate destination is now going to be because where they wanted to take her is is done, is gone. So exciting, really exciting. And and last shout out before we finish our Last of Us discussion, I, I had to bring up, you know, Philip Praju. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing the name, but he was credited as being the infected kissing man in the credits. That's exactly what his role was called, the infected <laughs> kissing man. So just gross gross stuff but yeah cool i'm glad you guys are enjoying it i am too um so yeah absolutely very cool all right so let's switch gears here uh we hope everybody enjoyed our conversation about the last of us now we're going to get into the bad batch episode four entitled faster so keeping with the no spoilers uh general thoughts caleb luke who wants to go first? Who wants to tell me about the general thoughts of this episode? I'll go first. Um, I thought it was fun. I didn't think I thought it was interesting that they set it up the way they did. They didn't have the whole group there, you know, and they didn't really have it where they were really just it was just fun. That's how I'll put it. It was fun and it was lighthearted and you got to see a different side of tech, which I enjoyed very much being a tech fan. Um, and you also got to learn a little bit more about Sid. So I'll leave it at that. Luke? Yeah, it was it was cute. It felt like one of the old Clone Wars episodes where there like there was stuff at stake, but it didn't necessarily move the plot a ton, but it was still lighthearted and enjoyable, but it was just it was, it was cute. <laughs> I've I've been waiting to talk to you guys about this because I I can't really I, I'm going to attempt to explain this, but I absolutely loved this episode. I was just so so entertained by it. So I don't get the same vibes from you guys. I think you enjoyed it on a different level than I did. Not that you didn't enjoy it, but I think you guys enjoyed it in a different level. And I don't know if I'm just sort of giddy about having the Bad Batch back. And I'm sort of reliving the fact that how much I love this show, but I just seem to be enjoying every episode more and more. So there's this word that's out there that is always sort of, um, you know, it's sort of rubbed me the wrong way. And it's being thrown around a little bit in the online discourse about this episode. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. And the word is filler. I am not a fan of the word filler. I really don't think there are filler episodes. Uh, and I don't think that this is a filler episode, basically because I don't think filler episodes exist. But 
it's being thrown around. So I want to hear what you guys have to say with regards to this this episode specifically being a quote unquote filler episode. So we are a family friendly podcast. So don't take my next phrase out of context. But the first thing I told you, Dad, when I, I finished watching was they used the wrong F word for the title of the episode. What what was the episode titled? Faster? Yeah, Faster. I, I really think they should have called it filler. And now I had no idea the <laughs> online discourse of this episode. No, like Luke said, false. it reminded me false. a lot. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of the episodes in the Clone Wars where it didn't really change anything, but we're still going to watch it because it's still fun. This episode was full of fun, full of colors, was a throwback to all of the, the pod racing that everybody loves so much. And it was using all the droids that have been in this timeline now obsolete, using them for different things. And I don't know. I, I agree with this F word that they keep using in filler. Oh my gosh. I, I, we're going to get to spoilers so we can talk about why it wasn't a filler, but, but Luke, what is, what's your opinion first? Um, I don't know. I, I sort of agree with you that fillers, I, I just think like from a studio perspective, why would you have a filler episode? Like, what do, you, what do you gain from that, right? Because you're still spending money on the animation and to edit it and to pay all the voice actors and everything. So it doesn't really make sense why they would just waste an episode, right? I feel like if they make an episode, it's for the purpose of whatever they put out, right? Um, yeah. But I do feel like there are a lot of episodes that don't necessarily move the plot very much. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's just to to uh, get a certain taste out of your mouth and refresh your palate, right? Um, but I don't, I don't really know, other than, like, you getting to know a little bit about Sid's background and sort of planting that seed, I don't really know what the point of the episode was to, like, show the tech and race, right? Like, <laughs> Like it was fun, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but like it was this the best use of an episode? I don't know. Well, let's let's talk details then, because I think I think there there are two specific plot points that are going to grow into something or at least be revisited down the road and to both of your points. Uh, whether we use the term filler or not, I like I've already told you what my idea and my thoughts are on that. But Luke, your point of, you know, it's sort of the same point, right? So this is a fun episode, an enjoyable episode, but it doesn't really move the plot forward. I think people would say that that's the definition of filler, right? Um, so let's just get into details so that I don't have to filter my tongue uh, and and have an accident and ruin something for someone although i don't know that there's a ton to spoil in this episode we want to be respectful for people who may not have watched it yet um so from this point on we're going to talk spoilers about bad batch episode four called faster if you haven't watched it go check it out and come back to our conversation so here is i i took three things away from this episode of the bad batch first of all i think it's the funniest episode they've ever produced and it's what like the 20th episode there were 16 last season and there's four now so far and this thing made me laugh it, it's almost like it knew we didn't get a lot of laughs last week 
So it gave us a whole bunch this week. Luke, you mentioned a palate cleanser. I actually put that down in my notes. It's sort of like a, it, it was a, it, it was a fun, it, it built out the world a little bit more with the Star Wars galaxy. And it was a palate cleanser from last week's heavy themes and topics. And it was just a thrill ride. And that was the first thing I took away. The second thing is, you both mentioned it. We got a little bit of um, backstory slash doubt in my mind has been built into about Sid. And we can talk more details about that as we get more into the episode. But that's the second thing. The third thing is tech fans rejoice, right? Like this was a highlight episode for tech and tech is really sort of coming into his own in this, in the four episodes so far, he had a lot of things to do in the first two. He had the majority of things to do here in this one. And I'm sure tech fans all around the world are just super happy because um, Caleb, you being one of them, this was a real cool episode for tech specifically. Um, but we even learned something about tech as well. Oh, did you want to share something before I go on? Yeah, I was going to say, you don't even have to look around the world. You can just look right across the room because I was really happy with him, to me, getting out of his comfort zone. He's always the numbers guy who's supporting staff. And this time he's like, no, we're going to help our friend and I'm going to be in charge of helping it. And I'm also going to drive across this dead bridge that <laughs> you can only get across if you're going the right velocity. And uh, he, he's, he figures that out because of his great intellect and his intuition. And, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. I did too. And I enjoyed all those aspects. There's one, there's one other thing about tech, though, that I noticed in this episode. And it was, I'm, I'm sure most people did. He doesn't seem, he seems to be less happy doing what they're doing for Sid. And it showed a couple times in this episode. So... The first time we notice it is in one of the first scenes, if not the first scene in, in Ord Mantell, where Omega and Wrecker are playing uh, at the Jajaric table and Tech is sitting at the bar, you know, working on his data pad. And we find out that, you know, Sid comes in and chastises Omega and Wrecker because they're running up the power bill. And they mention that uh, Echo and Hunter are off on some mission and that's the first sort of time that we see tech mention you know you can't even call that a, a mission you're misusing their skills what did he say they're transporting uh nerf nuggets <laughs> which was one of the things that first made me giggle was the term <laughs> nerf nuggets um so basically they're transporting food or whatever right and that's not at all what we saw them doing in the first first season and I felt like tech was a little put out by it. Right. And then as she just sort of blows it off and says, no, we're going to do this. Let's go. He says something about, we need a better briefing. She goes, no, the shuttle's waiting for us. Let's go. Uh, and walks out and the camera sort of hangs on him and you can see he's not too happy about what they're going to go about and do not because he feels it's dangerous. He just feels like it's almost like he feels like they're wasting their time. Yeah, I definitely see similar to what I was saying about uh, Crosshair last week, where he's getting adjusted again, trying to figure out his way in all of this. You can see that in tech in this episode. He's wanting to go through the same regimen. He's going to go to chow time, get a briefing, go talk with his crew, and then get the job done. 
he different than like like a guy like echo who wants to do something better for the galaxy he just wants to do something better with his his people his brothers and they're not doing that at the moment and they they touched on this again later on in the episode uh in in a bit of in a couple different ways that we'll get to but it seems like the three episodes that we've seen the bad batch plus omega minus crosshair it doesn't seem like it seems like there's some different agendas that are going on and we talked a little bit about it when we recapped one and two hunter wants to take care of omega echo wants to do something to help the galaxy and now tech we're not i'm not too sure where he's sitting as far as where he what he wants to do but he definitely doesn't seem like he wants to be doing what they're doing Uh, and i just thought that that was an interesting uh development and one of my reasons where i don't think that this is a filler because i think this is going to come up and be important as the season drives forward are these the disparity of motivations They've always been unified. So are we going to start to see a little bit of uh, argument over what direction they want to go in? Right. Uh, it's just another theme that was carried over from the first two episodes. So but then, you know, we, we get to um, <laughs> Wrecker and Omega. They're just sort of they just go with the flow. Uh, right. Sid goes, let's go. We got the shuttles waiting. So they get up and they leave. They go and they end up on a, at a place. And I'm not sure if the just the location was called Sofatoma or if that's the planet. But that's where they ended up is a place called Sofatoma. We're inter- we're introduced to riot racing, which I think we've all said it at different times during the day is is a huge callback to pod racing, right? So what did you guys think just about this entire plot point? Luke, uh, how did you like just this whole structure of, of like this new type of pod racing that they call riot racing? I was really surprised when they started shooting each other. That was, (laughs) (laughs) that was new. Like when, uh, God, how am I forgetting his name in the Phantom Menace, the guy who, Tries to sabotage. Oh yeah, Sabolba. Sabolba. When he started playing dirty, I was like, "Wow, this is this is dangerous." But now they're like actually shooting each other with weapons on their pods, and that's 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 new. And that's one of one of the things that is a pretty dark comedic moment for a Star Wars animation. But these blaster bolts are flying everywhere at one point and they show a guy just get nailed in the chest with a blaster bolt and he falls down. <laughs> one of I the- love that the announcement goes and it's like, yep, <laughs> none of us are liable. You came in here on your own free will. We're not paying anything. So I'm going to tell you guys, I, I watched this episode four times already. Oh my God. <laughs> just, I loved it. And it just sort of worked out that way, but I'm glad I did. I've watched it with subtitles and I've watched it without subtitles. It's so much funnier with the subtitles. <laughs> it really is because the announcer is one of the things that makes me crack up so much through this whole episode. And it's that part where he gives the whole, you know, uh, what's it called? A um, uh, uh, where the, you, a disclaimer, a disclaimer when yep. <laughs> he gives the disclaimer about we're not going to be held reliable or uh, um, uh, we're not going to be held liable 
uh, for injuries or death. And then he goes, speaking of death, the races are approaching something, something Gulch or whatever. And it made me think of like, when you're we've telling gone... me you watched it four times and you can't quote it for us. Shame <laughs> I, on you. Yeah. That's just my feeble brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of uh, what was it? The, uh, when we've gone to watch hockey games and they always make the announcement, like, Make sure that you're aware the puck can fly yeah. out of the playing surface. And how many times have we seen people get nailed, right? Because yeah. they're not paying attention. You know what's crazy? Ready. There's like actual sides of the law with that. And I learned it in like my freshman college year in my business law course. It's literally, I th- if I remember correctly, it's called like the baseball rule. And like you go and nowadays, instead of going to a toll booth or anything like that, you go into like your computer or your phone, wherever you buy tickets. And in the terms and conditions, it waives all sorts of liability. And it's because people don't pay attention at these things and they go in for a quick buck or something. But I've never heard uh, anybody get disintegrated at a hockey game or a basketball (laughs) game. So he did. He did even say something about disintegrations. They're not held liable for it. So that was, I mean, dark comedy, but it was still pretty funny. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, But then another thing that made me laugh since we're on the subject of what made me laugh was the announcer again, when he's announcing all of the racers, uh, when, you know, so obviously Sid makes a wager with, uh, this new guy that they call Malegi, who they clearly have, uh, um, history between these two characters and they make a bet and then Sid loses. So then tech has to race and this new racer, um, so they're introducing that race, right? Where tech is going to race. And I actually wrote down all the characters names and they go through and they show each sing every single one of them. And I won't bore everybody with the names, except they're, they're pretty funny. The announcer is showing is, you know, really hyping them up. Right. And then he gets to tech and he's just like, and tech, but is that it? Just tech. Is it just tech? Yeah. <laughs> Do we know anything more about this guy? And the crowd goes absolutely silent. That was very funny. Yeah, just completely silent. I was, but except for in the living room when I was sitting there watching it because I was cackling. I was laughing so hard <laughs> at that part. Um, Luke, did you notice any of the designs of some of these droids? Because um, there were some pretty cool ones. Yeah, there was a commando droid, and then there was a three PO unit, and then uh, God, there was one other one that I recognized. I forgot which one. So the one that I'm thinking of is the one with the battle droid head and the protocol droid yeah, body. Yeah, that one. Like in Attack of the Clones when 3PO's head got swapped with the yeah, battle droid's yeah. body. The gesture he's making to like hype up the crowd was so funny too. He's like <laughs> letting up his blaster. It's so great. But it's like with his hand. And that's what I mean by this this episode may be the funniest one I think that I've seen because it's it's a lot of like subtle humor where it's not, if you're not really paying too much attention, you don't pick up on the things that the announcer is saying that are making you laugh or um, the, what, what's the other thing? The, the, the visual comedy wrecker says a whole bunch of stuff that made me crack up. Like when tech starts uh, racing and he asks Omega, uh, how's he doing? And Omega is like, he's, he's in last place. <laughs> and then he gets on the mic and he's like, uh, Tech, you have to be in first place if you're gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he does. Wrecker, we talk about, and then uh, he goes, "It's called strategy." And then Wrecker's like, "No, it's called losing." <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so funny. I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here like sort of delirious. Um, <laughs> but then another another funny thing is um, when he wins, when Tech wins and the announcer announces that it's Tech, he goes, uh, it is Tech, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so quick the audio you can barely hear it but when you had the subtitles on he says it and it's very funny um another funny thing i thought and i'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this teo give me your thoughts on teo my words can't describe how much how i feel about teo so just insert an eye roll when you watch this because i I thought he was funny at the beginning, and then I was like, oh, my God, this guy's just an idiot. <laughs> Luke? I actually liked him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. He's, I don't know, he's not, like, I kind of wish he would have stuck around more, because I like the the banter that he had, and he had a lot of attitude for a droid. He kind of reminded me of K2SO. Oh, true. Yeah, he was so over the top. I felt the opposite than Luke. When he died for the second time, I literally audibly said, thank God. (laughs) I was hoping they didn't have time or the want to rebuild him and just to move on from him. He had he had lines that made me laugh, too, like when Tech was studying the race right before he died for the second time. He's like walking up to him. He's got this swagger about him and his head flips back and forth <laughs> where when he's walking away from someone, his head just flips around so he can walk at, watch them as he walks away. But he uh, he's talking to he's talking to Tech and he's like, well, what are you doing? And he's talking about strategy and how you need to reroute power to the defense instead of the offense. And he said something. Teo goes something like, human, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> so much sass. I don't know why they've uh, made droids so sassy, but I'm happy that they have because it's great. Everybody's turning into R2. <laughs> he paved the way. Um, what, yeah, he was a trailblazer. Um, okay, so that, I mean, I've gone on and on about how funny I think that this episode is and 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 I do think it's it's very funny, obviously. But the other thing, and I had three points, right? And one of them was the Sid factor. Uh, first of all, if I can find it in my notes, I wrote it down. The guy Malegi, he calls her by her his uh, her her first name or her real name. Did you guys catch that? Because it was really quick. No, I didn't. I did not. And of course, I have terrible handwriting, and I can't find it. But I I know it's in here somewhere. So I'm gonna continue looking at at one point but so first of all he was voiced by ernie hudson who was um uh in the first ghostbusters um how come i can't remember his name now do you guys remember seeing the first ghostbusters yeah yeah um the winston winston zedmore he was uh one of the ghostbusters that's the guy who who voiced uh, malegi so uh i thought that i thought that was very cool i Ernie Hudson's an awesome performer. Um, but so they have this interesting conversation when he takes her as collateral, right? Where he says to her something like, um, hustlers, old hustlers never change. And she says, well, you might find that I can surprise you or something like that. And then the whole thing goes down with the race and um, they go to collect Sid back. And he holds them back after they're walking out and he goes, you know, you guys could have taken off, but you came back. That's a real cool move. Basically, he says, 
and he says that that loyalty doesn't always go both ways with Sid. So that coupled with just the sort of the way she came across in the beginning of the episode where she's saying, Hey, you're running up the power bill. And then couple it with another thing she said in the first episode, which was basically telling them, look, we're not going to be able to live the way we're living and work the way we're working with the way the empire is doing things now. Um, you know, what, what do you guys think? You know, are we, her motives have always been sort of questionable from the beginning in my mind, but is she gonna, you think she's gonna sell them out at some point? Is there going to be some kind of a fallout? Uh, I think that they put this in the episode for a very specific reason. So I just would like to know what you guys think. Yeah, I would put stock into it because it was pretty evident. Like the, the racer who tech beats is wanting to shoot him after, right? And um, I can't remember his name, but in the show, it kept saying his name. And I just kept thinking my lady, like Milady. It did sound um, like Milady, but it's Milegi. Yeah, Milegi. Okay. Um, he stops him from shooting him. And I just immediately thought honesty among thieves, you know. So I would put stock in it because of that. There's no reason why he would lie. He's not trying to exactly steal the crew of the bad batch for himself because he obviously has his own crew of thugs um but everybody you put any pressure on anything like it can go one of two ways and one of those ways is bad so i'm curious to know if if hunter and echo on their side quest which i'm hoping will be the next episode instead of just leaving it unseen um will put them in a position where they don't necessarily have to rely on sid and they've gone and said okay we want to do good for ourselves but also good for for the galaxy which is the hope for for echo you know i had the same thought about um are we going to get a look at that mission that um hunter and echo are on but then when when tech just calls it hauling around some nerf nuggets uh i i started to question myself as to if, uh, are we really going to see it but you never know these things tend to go sideways really quickly even if you're just hauling nerf nuggets Exactly. But I was thinking like he could be calling it that, but Hunter and Echo are actually doing something else, it's not true. trying to concern the rest of the crew. It's true. So. It's true. Luke, what did you think about the development with Sid? And what do you think uh, is she going to uh, turn into as we go forward? I don't know. It's weird because she's like, to me, she's a cool enough character, but I wouldn't like if she wasn't in the show, I don't think it would make much of a difference to me. Like, she she provides a service in the sense of, like, she's allowing, or she's giving missions and stuff to keep the Bad Batch busy, right? But mm -hmm. I feel like there's enough going on in the galaxy where there's going to be something for them to do at all times if they're looking for <laughs> it, right? So if she's not around, I don't think it would make a huge difference. But I, I do think that she's going. She's sort of a bridge character. She's. It's a good point. Be go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say. No, sure. Go ahead. She, her objective is to get them from where they were, which was just scraping by, running away from the empire, to, you know, hopefully having a place of their own where they can. You know, whether it's like a base or, you know, a planet where they just hide out or whatever, somewhere where they can exist safely. And yeah, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Sid become some sort of a martyr for the group, whether or not she lives or dies or whatever. Um, I, I do think that she's going to put the group in front of her own personal needs at some point, because, you know, like she said, she owes them one. And I think it's going to get to the point where like this, this sort of foreshadowed that the empire will be closing in on them soon. And I could totally see her, like they mentioned, you know, you got to be concerned about her loyalty. And if she is like a martyr for them, then she would prove their loyalty or she would prove her loyalty to them. Right. I like that idea. And I'll be honest, I didn't consider it because I looked at it, I guess, in the the more negative way, which is she's going to feel the squeeze to the point where she's going to have to make a decision, me or them. And then just seems like over the course of the first season and what we see now, that that choice would be that she's going to choose herself and sell them out. So I like that you brought that up. I like that idea and who knows what's going to happen. You know, we'll see when we get there, but uh, it would be awesome if she ended up actually being, you know, like sacrificing something for their benefit. That would be a cool, a cool thing for that character. And I guess that's one of the reasons why they brought up the fact that she said, um, well, I might surprise you because that could be foreshadowing something too. That would, that would be very cool. So way to go bringing up the positive. I like that. Um, so interesting. And, and really those are the two things the the development with echo and the development with Sid is why I think that this episode will end up being more important than it seems to be. It's a transformer. There's more than meets the eye. I like that. <laughs> nice. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's all I have. I don't think I, I could, I mean, honestly, like I said, I've seen this thing four times. I could talk about every different little scene that made me laugh uh but that's that's gonna do it i think for me you guys have any final thoughts or any last things that we haven't really gotten to that you'd like to share i think they need to start um naming each snack that uh that the the crew eats they have their mantel mix but but uh wrecker had a new snack today they didn't name and i want to know dude he was eating like two different things and <laughs> Love, love Wrecker. Uh, another thing that he did that made me laugh is when Tech was like, I'm going to be the racer. He like, the camera shifts from behind Tech's point of view so you can see everybody else. And he just like, look at him with this dead face. And he's like, oh, he's not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke, any uh, any final thoughts or something that we didn't get to for you? Mm, no, not really. I just, like the episode was cool and the Crosshair episode was cool. But I want to see the plot move along. I don't know. I feel like it's a, so you're, it's such a interesting time, and I want to see more avenues explored in this time frame than you know, Pod Racing two point You want to see some clones rebelling. You want to see some cloning facilities with uh, what we were teased with at the end of last season. Yeah. You want to see these things turning into something. I get it. I get it. You know what I want? I want a racing video game. I want Star Wars Mario Kart because that's what this <laughs> that's what this episode was. Racing was so cool in it. And I would love them to come up with some kind of a racing game. 
I don't even know if they have one, but they need an updated one if they do, because we've got pod racing. Han Solo did some racing. We've got Riot Racing now, and then we have an entire series, Resistance, which was built around racing. So it just seems like Star Wars racing is in its DNA. George Lucas was a he loved driving fast cars. He loved he was a street racer. So let's get a Star Wars racing game. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I'm just putting it out there. What's that called? I'm manifesting. <laughs> Give me a Star Wars racing game. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, that's going to do it then for this episode of the Bad Batch. Uh, these are coming out on Tuesdays, so we hope that you guys are enjoying doing a little bit of a recap on the Bad Batch before a new one drops. Uh, so, um, you know, what were your favorite moments of these of this episode for Faster? You know, what made you laugh? I'd love to hear about it. So send us a tweet, send us an Instagram, something like that, or even an email. There's an email for the Colby cast, so check it out. Uh, also, we talked about it last week, but I'll just uh, put it out there again. We put a, um, a T Public store together, so we have some merch for people to wear if you want to buy T-shirts or coffee mugs or notebooks or tote bags, all kinds of fun stuff that T Public does. That's out there for you, too. So check it out, uh, the Colby cast at T Public. Uh, the storefront is there for anybody who might want to check it out and again for Caleb and for Luke thank you all again for listening to this episode of the Colby cast you can find the Colby cast on Twitter and Instagram at the Colby cast if you're wordy like me you can send an email to the Colby cast at gmail.com please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, donkey. That'll do.